0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and Exxon TV. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Peter O. Lawler, and he's the author of Shrouded in Mist, Physics and the Archaic Symbology of Metaphysics. And um, to demystify millennia of science, philosophy, and religion, I'm sure you would all agree, is no easy task. During archaic times and the thousands of years uh, of wisdom acquired by the priests of Egypt, for example there was no reference to science or philosophy. It wasn't even religion, per se. The nature of existence or of truth and knowledge was not merely the true belief of the ancient Greek philosophy. As civilization moved westward, exonation, through the Mediterranean, Europe, and across the Atlantic, the nature of existence or of truth and knowledge was and still remains in constant and often volatile conflict. It seems the world has settled on believing, but understanding where it all came from remains shrouded in the mists of time. Joining me now is Peter Lawler, O. Lawler, I should say, and Mr. O'Lawler, welcome to the X Zone.
1: Thank you very much.
0: What was your what was your inspiration, sir, for writing Shrouded in Mist?
1: Um, I had a lot of time on my hands and I'd been writing mm-hmm. uh poetry since I was 17 and I entered college with um, what the founders of America would consider a classical education but I also after seven years as an altar boy and wanting to become a missionary um, events happened that caused me to turn away Mm -hmm. and I immersed myself in comparative theology and um what I discovered was a very long trail of uh, why we know what we know and uh, the sources of knowledge that give some civilizations and some cultures more power than others.
0: Why is religious conflict so often contrary to their founders' exemplary faith?
1: Well, we can look at, for example... Um, Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Muhammad grew up along the Spice Road as a businessman. And um, his divine revelations, brought to him by the Archangel Gabriel, who visited Mary, um, inspired him uh, to write the Quran. Now, just like America's revolutionary generation, And all republics begin with the need to remedy political evil. So throughout history, whether it be Islam, republics, or America, people follow their heart, follow their passions, want to do good for the public good, establish something absolutely wonderful for the interest of each other, and then somewhere along the line, other people with different ideas take the original thought and make it into something it was never intended to be.
0: All right, sir, hold that thought. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Next on really? Nation, my very special guest this hour, is Peter O. Lawler. He's the author of Shrouded in Mist, Physics and Archaic Symbology of Metaphysics. And we're going to be back on the other side of this commercial break. And if you'd like to uh, get a copy of Shrouded in Mist, the website is www.amazon.com. That's right, it's available at amazon.com. We'll be back on the other side of this short two-minute commercial break as we continue in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
1: Say I'm sorry, I just want you
0: to stay After all that we've been through, I will make it up to you Peter O'Lawler is our special guest this hour. He's the author of Shrouded in Mist, Physics and the Archaic Symbology of Metaphysics. It's available at Amazon.com. Before we went to the commercial break, we were talking about, you know, how religious conflicts often are contrary to the Founders' founders faith. Now, what does it mean, in your opinion, to exemplify the, the ethical behavior of Jesus, for example?
1: This is so very important. Um, the early Church, before the Vatican... Um, or rather, Nicene Council in 471 A.D. The early church was concerned with following the ethical behavior of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, is based in love, which I hope we get to talk about. But the ethical behavior of Jesus is... Imagine the violent times, the the immense poverty, the ignorance, the... Loss of faith in an afterworld, and then comes along this message be good to each other. Um, ethics was, throughout history, uh, very, very important. How you treat another person. The golden rule among the founders of the revolutionary generation was the one they considered most important. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So, many Catholics may not necessarily be Christians, and many Christians may not be Catholics. Many Protestants may not be Christians, and many Christians may not be Protestants. But the idea before the Nicene Council was to be a Christian meant to exemplify the ethical behavior of Jesus, which referred to how you treat other people.
0: So, what is love then, sir?
1: Well, love is something I really like talking about when I teach philosophy, um, because it's an often confusing concept. If we um, look in, at psychology at the biological basis of behavior, uh, we will find what's called objective love, which, for example, um, I love chocolate. Mm -hmm. Um, I love cars. Uh, I love women. Um, I love the outdoors. I love fishing, blah, blah, blah. Any kind of thing that you love that gives you satisfaction or pleasure is objective love. Now, um, Dr. Scott Peck wrote a book called uh, The Road Less Traveled. And he perfectly demonstrates the idea, without mentioning Christian love, um, that love is a mutual investment in one's own and another's personal growth. For example, the patience it takes a parent to listen to a five-year-old spew on for half an hour without having the vocabulary to express the impression um, a butterfly or a sunset makes upon them, Mm -hmm. Uh, the patience it takes to um, raise children and invest in their personal growth and guide them and direct them to use and follow their own potential, without you imposing your ego on what you want their dreams to be. So, love is either objective. I love chocolate, mm-hmm. or love is a mutual investment in one's own and another's personal growth. All right, how does about, that
0: make sense? It, it makes perfect sense. Then, how about knowledge?
1: Well, this is very cool because, um, especially when I teach philosophy, there is a Greek... Uh, first of all, philosophy um, means love of wisdom, mm-hmm. but I have never yet have had a student ask, well, what's wisdom? Well, the ancients who came far before the Greeks knew very well that wisdom was the understanding of lo- of knowledge and if we look at genesis um, we can find that there are three trees in the garden of eden the tree of life the tree of good and evil and the tree of knowledge the tree that they ate from was the tree of knowledge and by acquiring knowledge they lost understanding and um, I'm sorry, repeat the question again?
0: Uh, I, I, I just asked you, what what is knowledge? We were talking okay. about knowledge. Huh?
1: So, um, in Greek philosophy, it is referred to as epistemology. Just because you believe something to be true mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily make it knowledge. It makes it true belief. So... Whether you be a victor, a conqueror, uh, a writer of history, you're the one or ones that determine what is knowledge and what is not. And we can certainly extrapolate that to um, areas of science and especially modern physics, mm. that knowledge is not absolute
0: all right, so if we look at religion as, as a whole, for example, what's the difference between Buddhism or Guantama Buddha's Buddhism?
1: Okay. Um, Guatemala was born a prince, had everything going for him, mm-hmm. didn't need a thing. However, what he saw as he witnessed the world was a lot of grief and a lot of suffering. And he really wanted to understand why people didn't seek satisfaction, why people could not acquire happiness. And when a person today practices Buddhism, they're looking to liberate their self from the world of illusion, the world of darkness, their own physical intellectual capacity, their own base instincts, but Buddha um, had Mahayanism, which referred to the liberation of humanity as a whole. And I talk a lot about that in my book.
0: Why are there so many different religions?
1: Uh, Well, we can use anthropology to answer that question. Um, But we always, always have a wrench in the works. For example, um, my professor in sociology... um, and I went to this documentary. And it showed that around the world, all cultures um, evolved at the same rate, at the same time, Mm -hmm. with the same means, and slowly gained an identity which eventually separated themselves from others. However, after the documentary, um, I said to my professor, uh, Professor Polanski, uh, that documentary is really missing, um, something, and that would be the origins of Europe. And she said, well, I'm surprised anyone would notice that. <laughs> and I said, well, it doesn't fit into the, uh, thesis of the documentary because in Europe they had medicine and magic before they had weapons in war. Um, and they certainly don't fit into the timeline of everyone around the globe mm-hmm. evolving through their cultures at the same rate, at the same time, by the same means. And she admitted that it is part of marketing that we <clears throat> excuse me, start people off with these hypotheses to introduce them um, to anthropology and sociology. So there are different religions because we have to consider the esoteric wisdom of the ancients that came far before the Greeks. Now, For example, the subtitle of the book is Physics Mm -hmm. and the Archaic Symbology of Metaphysics correct? Correct. Now, science in the Western world has grown to follow a certain um, <clears throat> formula. Uh, once I gave a three-class multimedia presentation on human evolution that covered 4.2 million years. However, it didn't contradict cre- creation once. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. Oh, where was I? Um, why? There are so many religions? Yes, that's right. Oh, okay. Um, if we follow the evolution of cultures mm-hmm. and the migration of humanity, uh, we might follow the Indo-European language that came from India on its way to Europe. But a lot happened... In between, for example, um, in Egypt, a god or goddess can only be understood by what they wear on their head. Now, Isis um, is the only goddess or god who wears more than one crown, but the most ancient crown is the seat. Oh okay listen
0: cool. I I hate to do this too because I'm thoroughly enjoying our conversation you and I have to take a news break sir so please, oh, please stand do. by exonation peter ollar is our special guest his book is available at amazon.com and we'll be back on the other side of this news break don't go away dot exxon Radio tv dot com nation Peter is our special guest he's the author of shrouded in mist physics and archaic symbology of metaphysics it's available at amazon.com Peter when it comes to the present crisis that we're finding in America these days do racial religious or radical religious groups despise or hate or hate Americans or their government and and you know do they covert interventionist policies?
1: Um, yeah, I would like to answer that very much, but could I just conclude the sure. last oh, I'm question sorry about and, that. Um, as to why there are so many mm. religions. Um, in searching for the existence of truth and knowledge is the point at which different religions became distinct in their search. And the synthesis of science, philosophy, and religion of archaic times slowly separated and became distinct entities. And along with those entities came the religions associated with that search for truth and knowledge. Now, um, please ask your question again.
0: Sure. Uh, Do radical religious groups despise or hate Americans or their governments?
1: Well, when I lived in France, um, I was often privy to Uh, Many a party where uh, conversations abounded with um, what America is really all about. And I always had to insist, when you refer to America's foreign policies or the interventionist actions, please refer to the American government and not the American people. I do not believe that anyone from a Muslim to a Russian hates or even dislikes Americans. However, what I found, especially through teaching, Mm -hmm. that students were often astounded at the actions of their federal government throughout the world. So the answer is no. They do not hate Americans, but they certainly do not trust the American government.
0: How does greed and violence of capitalism contribute to uh, furthering religious conflicts?
1: Well, that's a big question. The founding fathers, and you can refer to George Washington's farewell address, for mention of morality and government, mm-hmm. especially with trade and other nations, um, that morality and religion certainly enjoin this. They believed that this new era of capitalism was going to usher in a wonderful world, excuse the paraphrase, where everyone was going to get along. But we know... People can be and are basically greedy and violent unless there's something to stop it. problem is nothing is stopping it. For example, um, today's issues in America is outsourcing. I hear it all the time. People say, oh, we're losing jobs. But what they don't realize is they're losing tax money these foreign corporations go into foreign countries and can do in foreign countries what they can't do at home. There are no EPA standards to follow. They can pollute all they they want. Um, They can hire, work, and pay whatever they want. Um, And that is certainly greed. Now, the violence uh, in America as a scholar, of, um, I wrote a book called The Never Realized Republic, Political Economy and Republican Virtue. Mm-hmm. There was an old um, adage that Roman virtue, or their desire to do good, was the expansion and domination of trade backed by an elite military. And whenever I say that to students or others, I always say, remind you of anyone? Because this expansion and domination of trade is backed by interventionist policies enforced by violence. Now, for example, um, we know that Afghanistan became a colony in 1812 belonging to Russia. Mm-hmm. And we know in 1948, when Israel was going to become a nation um, through the United Nations, there was this little boy in Saudi Arabia whose father was a millionaire owning a long chain of laundromats. And when he grew up and got his money, he wanted to go to Afghanistan and help the Afghan rebels get rid of the Russians. Now, at this time... um, And your listeners should see the movie um, Lord of War, and it will explain a lot about the legal and illegal sale of armaments and how some countries, especially the permanent members of the Security Council in the United Nations, America, the United Kingdom, France, and Russia, determine who can buy and sell armaments. Now, this 10-year war in Russia, I mean in Afghanistan, to get the Russians out, ended. And that 10-year war had involvement with certain foreign countries who gave them money and weapons to do it. When the Russians finally left, or literally gave up, um, these Afghan rebels turned around and said, Thank you you very much. We really appreciate you helping, getting the Russians out of here. Uh, when are you leaving? And uh, this foreign country who helped them with armaments and money turned around and said, we're not leaving. This began a long line of conflict with this foreign power <clears throat> and they <clears throat> made it very clear very clear Mm -hmm. that this little boy who heard his father rant and rave that if Israel was going to be made a nation in 1948, they're going to be a puppet of the United of of America, this little boy grew up to be Osama bin Laden. And he was the leader of the Afghan rebels that got the Russians out of Afghanistan. And he said, if you, this foreign country that gave them aid of weapons and money, If you do not leave, it looks like our war is going to be with you. Now, if you follow history in the past 20 years, you will find an escalation of violence against the people who provided them support to begin with, but then didn't want to leave. And they made it very clear. First, it was the attack on the USS Cole. Then it was attack on the Somalia U.S. Embassy, and then all hell broke loose. And because of certain Western powers, this religious conflict of Islam, first of all unnecessary, reinforced by the greed and violence of corporations that support foreign policy, um, is spreading like wildfire. Um, if people know the history of America and the Philippines, they will understand why they have no trust. And they want to have some cathec- cathexis, mm-hmm. uh resolution, and they want these interventionist policies to stop. And they w- just like the religions... They want to be left alone. They want the right, for example, Declaration of Independence. A lot of Americans don't understand what unalienable rights are. And it's simply rights not granted can't be taken away. And Americans have the unalienable right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. So why can't everyone else have that right? Because of corporations and foreign policies that are doing things in foreign countries that they could not do at home. So this conflict is not only caused by the West, Mm -hmm. um, the consequences of it are caused by the West.
0: So so tell me, sir, in in your opinion, will the... The friction that is being created in New York City, for example, with the placement of a mosque within two blocks of Ground Zero, and the 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 burning of Korans, or the you know the 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 attempt to burn Korans by Pastor Jones in Florida, will this will this ever cease?
1: Not only will it not cease, but the problem is that, for example, some states actually burn books by American authors. And as far as the mosque goes, I think the First Amendment of uh, freedom of expression and the freedom of religion, if people... and, And this is my problem as a scholar, trying to teach how the revolutionaries' vision and the purpose of their revolution was severely altered in the 1790s. Americans do not, like Europeans, teach history as causes and motivations. They teach it as dates and events. Who cares about dates and events? Every American will tell you, almost everyone, uh, history is boring. We don't want to understand but it's because of the way they teach it. Now, if anyone was to read the Koran, Mm -hmm. they would know that violence and greed are not acceptable to Muhammad, peace be on him. And the ethical behavior of Jesus, greed and violence, not acceptable, peace be on him. Buddha, every great religious leader... From George Washington to Thomas Jefferson to Samuel Adams, greed and violence are not acceptable in human behavior. And let's talk about ethics, the moral philosophy. The Greek moral philosophy was translated by the Romans as ethics. By the 20th century, that grew into normative, applied, and meta-ethics. And in the early 20th century, 21st century, we have ethics all over the place. We have corporate ethics, we have ethics with police, we have ethics in the Senate, we have ethics uh, with HIPAA Mm -hmm. um, that's supposed to guide your private information and ethics this and ethics that, but like understanding religions, people that are different from you, they don't. And where are the people who want to teach it? There is a, an obstruction of the flow of information, not only in history, but contemporary events that keep Americans in the dark. And they should, as Americans, knowing their right of the freedom of expression, the freedom of speech, which includes the freedom to be heard, they have every right to be true to their faith, not true to the radicalism and the conflict, regardless of who created it.
0: All right, sir, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break. Exonation Peter O. Lawler is our special guest. His book can be found at Amazon.com, and the name of his book, well, one of his books, is Shrouded in Mist. If you'd like to find out the other books that Peter has written, all you do is go to Amazon.com and type in his name, P-E-T-E-R-O apostrophe L-A-L-O-R, that's O'Lawler.com. I'll be back on the other side of this short break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Our website is www.xoneradio.tv.com. We'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. ExoNation, Peter O. Lawler is our special guest this hour. He is the author of a very interesting book, Shrouded in Mist. It's available at Amazon.com. And uh, Peter, I was wondering if you could give me your take on life after death. What happens to us when we die?
1: Um, I like to start, um, how long is our segment now?
0: We've got about three minutes.
1: Oh, three minutes, Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I better cut this short. Um, it all depends on where your head and heart is. Mm-hmm. Now, the ancients um, referred to uh, what the Kabbalah calls the tree of life. Some people call it the involution of spirit and the succession of worlds. What a physicist would call the Big Bang, the Hindus would call um, the exhalation of Brahma. Um, Now, sometimes a violent death keeps people from believing or understanding they have died. And consider this expression for a moment. All things exist in the same space but on different dimensions. And there is the path leading beyond the Big Bang. Now, we are physical and intellectual, as well as psychic and spiritual. Our physical intellectual capacity is our body, our ego, our identity. Um, We are not our body, and our body is not us. Now, sometimes a violent death keeps people from believing or understanding they have died. And this is usually temporary, but love seeks the light and the divine, and this being will transcend. To love and be loved is the catalyst for surviving one's death. It is said that all memories of love remain while the poorest memories reside in the person's shadow, their vehicle, or the shell of the person that was once there, their personality, or their identity, that eventually fades. If the soul does not separate from the shadow, it is then that they wander through the shadows of their previous life. The violent deaths of those spirits that yell and wail and don't really understand all whom they have loved cannot see them. But when they are ready, they too will return. The most pitied are those with anger and resentment for loss of life or a deep lust for physical being. Their desire for living is so great That they will not to leave. When they see they cannot participate in the objects of sensation and desire, they are said to go mad. These are the lost souls, the chain bangers, the wall pounders, the malevolent spirits who are said to be living in hell on earth. Their loss, confusion, and denial of their very existence leave them trapped.
0: Peter, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, sir. Continued success. And we'll have to continue this conversation on another show because I know you and I still have so much to talk about.
1: Wonderful. That would be so great. And thank you again for inviting me.
0: Mr. O'Lawler, it's been my great pleasure. Exonation, Nation, Peter O'Lawler has been our guest this hour. If you'd like to find Peter's books, just go to Amazon.com and in the top search, just type in Peter O'Lawler. That's O apostrophe L-A-L-O-R. We'll be back after this news break. Don't go away.